is fun. And so is WCBN-FM in Ann Arbor. It's a little after 6.30 p.m., and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And I've been out of town for a couple weeks due to a death in the family, so I might be a little rusty tonight. (laughs) But plenty to talk about. Obviously, there's a breaking story in Boston. Uh, Because this is a sporting event, Uh, ESPN actually has got wall-to-wall coverage. The Boston Marathon, of course, uh, obviously this is a terrorist attack of some sort, probably by somebody either outraged about guns or taxes. I sincerely doubt that this was a attack by Al-Qaeda, even though it had a few hallmarks of Al-Qaeda. So it will be very interesting to see how this unfolds uh, over the next uh, couple of days. Obviously, the media will be covering this 24-7, unfortunately. Uh, Last I heard, there were two confirmed casualties and about 85 dead. Near the finish of the Boston Marathon, uh, which uh, the winner had already crossed the finish line about three hours earlier, and uh, you could tell that it was maybe connected to some component of internationalism just because the only explosion that i saw on cnn was was near a line of international flags that marked the uh sort of the edge of the boston marathon so we can't really talk too much about that because obviously very few facts are known at this time and um, this is just one more horrible event in the history of america and Time will tell, but I'm sure that if it's an American involved in this, they will be caught eventually. Now, recall that the Atlanta Olympic bombing, Mm -hmm. which occurred in 1996, it actually took a while to actually identify Eric Rudolph. He, of course, turned out to be an abortion nut and a security... A A clinic bomber, yeah. Yeah, he was a clinic bomber. It's probably this style of a bomber. It's 
might be a, a lone wolf type or maybe connected to some small uh, hate group. Um, so we'll let the federal and state and local authorities do their job here and not comment uh, much further on it tonight because facts are sparse. It is interesting that there's been a lot of discussion over the past week about gun control. So, And, of course, today is tax day, so those are the themes that I would, if I were conducting an investigation, I'd be looking in those two areas without a doubt. Last week, of course, probably the big sort of international story was the passing away of Margaret Thatcher, the so-called Iron Lady. And uh, I venture to say that she probably, in British history, maybe the third most important government female in British history after Queen Elizabeth and Queen Victoria, only because Queen Victoria was on the throne so long Politics in the late 19th century in Britain, by the way, was, were dominated by Gladstone and Disraeli. Uh, they alternated the prime minister's position for quite some time. And this, of course, became the era of supreme British imperialism, the Victorian era. She died in 1901. Thatcher, of course, um, was prime minister for a little over 11 years, and she ushered in a uh, very different... Uh, theme of the conservative party in British politics. Uh, she, of course, is always linked uh, politically to Ronald Reagan, but new scholarship is beginning to emerge that they actually differed quite a bit on foreign policy issues, uh, particularly uh, the Falkland War and Grenada. <laughs> but they saw eye to eye on their sort of anti-union uh, orientation and their theory that uh, you know we need to pull back on government and uh, Margaret Thatcher was always sort of she she was almost the epitome of a church lady. Well, in her appearance and demeanor uh, and even her tone, even her tone, yes. But that uh, hair really speaks of her generation. That's just you know, ladies had their hair done that way. Um, it almost seems bizarre to think it now but uh her conservative uh, conservatism was a, a much more gloves off a conservatism than even ronald reagan's uh who of course had success in uh, beating back the air traffic controllers union but uh we didn't see the kind of consistent concerted uh, issues and efforts stacked against uh labor unions in this country during the reagan era of like we're seeing now uh today uh or like they saw in margaret thatcher's britain and uh <clears throat> the degree to which her policies uh are still felt in england you need only look at the numerous gatherings rallies celebrations and even chart topping songs uh that celebrate her demise yeah of course there were you know Ding Dong the Witch is Ding Dead. Ding Dong is. the Witch is Dead is top five on the BBC, and there was a debate. I don't know if they ever resolved the question. Should we continue to play it? Because clearly it's being used ironically as a I Hate Margaret Thatcher song. Um, that's the BBC's uh, problem to worry about. It's sort of a humorous uh, spin on the whole thing. But uh, 
as strongly disliked as Reagan was in this country by a number of Americans, and especially I'm thinking probably in the WCBN listening vicinity in particular. Yes. Um, we didn't see this sort of celebration. Yay, Reagan's dead. I mean, people might have chuckled privately to themselves about it, but there were no huge outpourings of, boy, we hated that bastard. Yeah, no. Like you're seeing with Maggie. Uh, huge explosions of uh, popular voice uh, still bitter and resentful over uh, her policies. And I don't know exactly stinging it, legacy. It, exactly when uh, God Save the Queen came out by uh, the Sex Pistols. Uh, Sometime 76, I think early 76. Time 76. It was well, for her, uh, for, of course, it was for the Queen's Jubilee. Yeah. I've always been amused by how even Monty Python early in the uh, late 60s in early 70s were making fun of Margaret Thatcher because at that point she was a backbencher. But yeah, uh, in, uh, there MP are num for a long time. Yeah. Num number of skits showing that that was her. Mm -hmm. um, she did some things well. She was very uh, adept, I think, at managing her cabinet. She was pretty good at managing the conservative party. And it's interesting that she probably would not have been reelected without the Falkland Wars. Um, Borges made a sarcastic comment. The great Argentine writer. About the Falkland Wars. He, he said that it's, uh, too, it's like two bald men arguing over a comb. And I always thought that was appropriate because the Falkland Islands, uh, the Argentinians call it the Maldives, or the Maldives. And uh, it's fascinating that the Reagan administration was very tepid early on in the support, as one editorial writer put it uh, reagan only came to the aid of britain at the 11th hour well there's a number and of that was because that. of the infamous yeah. argentinian military junta that's right <laughs> <laughs> which proved so friendly and helpful on so many occasions hitherto yes um and of course they were being used by the reagan administration yeah. to surreptitiously train the contras covertly secretly and quite likely in violation of international law. But so it's no surprise. Mere details, that, international yeah. law. Facts are silly things, after all. And uh, believe it or not, that was actually one of her strengths. She she was a much greater ad adherent to the concept of international law than Ronald Reagan. Oh, yeah. And this was part of the dispute that they had over. Uh, Grenada, for instance, mm -hmm. she was informed after the fact that Reagan was invading Grenada. Uh, that uh, anniversary is coming up later this year, so we'll talk about Grenada uh, perhaps some other time. But it's it's interesting that <clears throat> they would have each criticized Thatcher, the Grenada invasion, Reagan, the uh, Falklands Islands War, because I think each accurately saw the other as, well, this is just ratcheting up popularity points. Yeah. I mean, neither war was tactically desirable or militarily significant even in the history of uh, human conflict well i and I, but i think that the falkland wars had some legitimate international legal issues at, at stake hmm. whereas i think grenada was a orchestrated farce of a war that right. reagan orchestrated to distract america from the disastrous truck bombing in lebanon that uh Coinc killed uh, about 300 Marines. Well, it coincidentally happened, uh, to, you know, less than 48 hours after we decided to invade Grenada. Uh, my advice to any future presidential candidate, uh, if you're struggling in the polls a little bit, like Reagan was in 83, for a variety of reasons, uh, invade Grenada. 
That's a sarcastic policy proposal there to help yourself get reelected. Um, obviously, the conservative power, she lost uh, control of the conservative party uh, by the infamous John Major, who we uh, jokingly have called over the years. Major, Major. Major, Major, in honor of the superb <coughs> novel by Joseph Heller, Ketche 22, Ketche 22. Love that movie. Very underrated. But it's fascinating that the EU was at the heart of her dispute uh, with the conservatives. Mm. She was much more anti-EU than even members of her own party. And she was basically ousted by mm. within the party. She wasn't actually defeated in an election. Um, she won three elections. Uh, the second election, of course, was in connection with the Falkland Wars and... The parliamentary system in Britain, unlike America, does not have scheduled elections. They have to occur within reasonable periods, but you can call early elections. Netanyahu has used this tactic a couple of times in Israel. Take advantage of pressing issues and concerns yeah. so that you can restrain uh, members of a coalition party that might otherwise wander. And, of course, uh, Thatcher's popularity uh, went way up following the uh, Falkland Wars event that uh, started in April of 1982. It's interesting, the Secretary of State, Alexander Haig, resigned from the Reagan administration a couple of months later over the tepid support that the Reagan administration was giving to Margaret, Thatch, uh, Margaret Thatcher and the situation uh, in the Falkland Islands. So I think that it's interesting that uh, I, would, I would give Thatcher credit on one other uh, kind of big issue. I think she was, in all uh, intellectual honesty, the first Western leader to recognize that Gorbachev was a different Soviet leader. She made the famous comment, and I'm paraphrasing here, we can do business with this man. And that uh, led to uh, improved uh, American-Soviet relations uh, following the elevation of Gorbachev. She famously went to the Soviet Union on a uh, sort of uh, diplomatic uh, <clears throat> political tour. I think that was in 1987. And the quotes that I heard on the BBC where she appeared on uh, Russian television for about 45 minutes... Um, indicated that she uh, did not have all of her facts correct about nuclear weapons. It is true that the Soviet Union had a much larger ICBM uh, uh, arsenal, but uh, they were clearly behind in the arms race, so to speak, for quite some time. The missile gap uh, that was used in the 1960 campaign by John F. Kennedy has been exposed as fraudulent. Mm -hmm. uh, we had a four, anywhere between a four to one to ten to one advantage over the Soviet Union. Probably uh, we also still enjoyed a mine shaft gap, too. Yeah, there was certainly a mine shaft gap. Um, <laughs> although they have a lot more land there, you will recall the infamous uh, negative land. Uh, time, how many time zones? How many time zones do they have in the Soviet Union? Eleven. 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 <laughs> That's ridiculous. Yes, indeed, that is ridiculous. But I think the fascinating thing about the uh, 1980s and the economic uh, sort of uh, legacy of both Reagan and uh, Thatcher uh, in terms of this sort of after-the-fact uh, praising of free markets and individual liberty and all that is actually the, the fact that globalization was, was occurring because Germany, Japan, South Korea, China 
and Japan were all leading the charge and the manufacturing jobs that were connected to uh, labor unions in both the United States and uh, Great Britain went into serious decline. What went way up in Great Britain was a sort of almost uh, quasi-American style of standard of living, taking out mortgages, conspicuous consumption, uh, banking. London, of course, um, has historically been uh, if not the leading ban- banking center in the world, uh, certainly in the top three, obviously it's no longer number one. New York City displaced London a hundred years ago, but uh, it's still the center of gold trading. Yeah, and it's a very significant uh, international banking um, center for a lot of reasons. But I think that it was interesting that while uh, Thatcher was attacking the European Union and the economic. Uh, uh, sort of unification of Europe that, of course, is experiencing uh, economic problems today as a result. Uh, Germany and France, and particularly Germany, were uh, way on the rise economically and displacing uh, the United States and Great Britain as the uh, number one exporter in the world. So her legacy on economic matters is, uh, I think, a little dubious. Um, David Brooks, and I'm going to quote his uh, editorial that I didn't write the date down, but it was shortly after uh, she died. I'm suspecting that it was the next day, uh, i.e. last Wednesday's uh, New York Times, quoted a writer named Shirley Robin Letwin, who called Thatcher's uh, great contribution the vigorous virtues, upright, self-sufficient, energetic, adventurous, independent-minded, loyal to friends, and robust against foes. Why, that sounds like Matthew Arnold's muscular Christianity. Fair enough. (laughs) She was also known to be um, anti-gay. She said nobody has a, and I'm paraphrasing here, nobody has a right to be gay. Well, she certainly wasn't gay. She was a sourpuss. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. In Reagan's case, it was the shoe polish on his head. In Margaret Thatcher's case, I think it was the hairspray and the beauty parlor hair drying experience that I remember so uh, uh, odiously from delivering newspapers. I was a kid Uh, back in the 60s and 70s going into those beauty parlors to drop off the... The newspaper, and you'd get blown like away by a chemical <laughs> waste dump in there. Eyes are stinging. Yeah, the big hair. The bouffant. Well, there uh, actually, I think, um, I don't know if it was the last uh, attempt, but uh, there were bombing attempts against her on yeah. behalf of the IRA, so that was all still going on pretty much full tilt uh, during at least the early part of her tenure as prime minister. And it's quite clear as prime minister, she was exceedingly unpopular in Northern Ireland, Wales, and Scotland. Those are the other um, countries that are part of what is known as Great Britain. England is the other member of the Great British um, Commonwealth, I guess is what they call it these days. Um, very unpopular there for a variety of reasons. Um, and yes, I think that uh, one of her legacies is clearly a more divided uh, cultural Great Britain 
not unlike the United States mm-hmm. of America now with the uh, so-called demarcation between the red and blue. So a very significant historical figure uh, ushered in, of course, philosophically many of the ideas that Ronald Reagan pursued in the 1980s here in the United States. So while they were not a comrade, comrade in arms, so to speak, on foreign policy as much as some of the conservatives and neoconservatives here in America would lead you to believe, uh, I think, on domestic issues and economic issues and sort of general philosophy, uh, very similar. And I think they had over 20 meetings face-to-face. So there clearly was a different relationship between the United States and Great Britain uh, during the 1980s than in either previous... Really since previous or since. I mean, the special relationship, of course, is a reference to the uh, aid that the United States provided to Great Britain uh, during World War II, uh, particularly the um, Lend-Lease and, of course, D-Day initiated from Great Britain uh, in uh, 1944. But uh, as much as the special relationship existed, Churchill and uh, FDR actually differed quite a bit on future ideas about the reorganization of the world. Uh, FDR was a great critic of British imperialism Indeed. and colonialism. And uh, I think that Margaret Thatcher, one of her other good qualities was she, she did recognize that those legacies had to be wound down. She did pursue negotiations on returning Hong Kong to China. And uh, one uh, historical writer noted that she... Um, was uh, active in the Rhodesian uh, negotiations, uh, allowing Rhodesia to become uh, the independent country that we know today as Zimbabwe. Uh, Rather than the privately owned, essentially, fiefdom (laughs) (laughs) under which it began uh, under the auspices of Cecil Rhodes. Yes. Rhodes Scholar. One of, well, now there's just one country uh, that remains that's named after a person. So I guess uh, we've covered Margaret Thatcher sufficiently. Um, her funeral is later this week. I'm, I was kind of curious to know if Barack Obama was actually going to attend the funeral in person. Uh, but that may change now with these events in, in Boston. Um, so that will be an interesting thing to observe. I'd be surprised if Obama went. I'm even s- even without sure the that, uh, incident in Boston. I'm sure uh, that Biden, at, at the very least... I think they'd send Kerry, perhaps, even. Well, yeah, although he's kind of active busy in... Busy in the Middle East. Well, China, China North Korea, yeah. yeah. He's, he's dealing with a lot of things uh, all of a sudden. Uh, North Korea, of course, will give them a brain damage award. The mouse that roared, once again, is uh, dying to be heard. And uh, I don't know that Dennis Rodman can solve our diplomatic problems with North Korea, but uh, Kerry has actually wisely uh, kept the rhetoric pretty cautious and has indicated that he's um, going to China to talk face-to-face with their leadership about the North Korean problem to get these uh, little rascals to put their guns back in their pockets. Well, at the end of the day, I think ultimately North Korea is really more China's problem than anyone else. Sure. I mean, it's certainly uh, not a a military threat to the United States. It may be a military threat to parts of South Korea. 
And a couple of uh, blue whales in the Sea of Japan. Right. <laughs> but should they even make a move against South Korea, all of U.S. air power is right there. Yeah. And there's no doubt that they would be severely, ultimately, and rather swiftly crushed. Um, it's the trade with China uh, that keeps them afloat. Um, how it even... I mean, it's basically... There's no electricity. There's no food. There, it's a sort of a pretend country at this point. Well, it's a, it's, it's a prison camp. It's a totalitarian yeah. regime that operates under a very odd cult of personality that's so strange that it's almost hard to characterize. It's kind of in a league of its own. I mean, people call it Fidel, Fidel Castro's Cuba a totalitarian state, and in that it was a one-party, you know controlled one state you know under one party yeah that's true but they had good health care they had schools that, well and they had normal they had, relations they had with normal all, relations with most the, of the world all the rest of the countries yeah i mean if you lived in spain or even canada you could visit cuba anytime you wanted uh with proper uh, paperwork and right whatnot um so yeah that's another sort of was Dennis Rodman thinking of going to North Korea? Well, he's been there. I, <laughs> okay. Didn't you hear about the uh, fact that he, uh, apparently the new leader of North Korea is a big basketball fan. Oh, okay. So Rodman, of course, who was a marginal basketball player, uh, more of a uh, personality brand unto, his, yeah. unto himself, uh, actually sat in the stands of a basketball exhibition uh, about a month ago. Well, maybe basketball's the way to uh, the great leader's heart. Yeah, after all, it was ping pong that got America and China going a little bit. Ping pong diplomacy preceded... Uh, that's right, that's right. Tricky dicks. Little uh, trip for a China back in 1972. Lots of discussion over the past week about both immigration and guns. Uh our positions are well known on this. I think that the Republican Party uses immigration as a kind of phony issue that they don't want to solve. And if they don't crack down well, on the employers, nothing right. substantive is going to happen. Securing the borders is all rhetorical nonsense. Uh, Forty percent of the people that are in the country illegally fly in. They just overstay their visas. They're not crossing the border. Um, so... Well, California's agricultural economy largely depends on migrant labor, too. So, as you say, yeah, employers are the ones to pursue if you really want to uh, crack down on that. Um, it's uh, a kind of a dying issue for them anyway, because as we saw in the last presidential election, uh, certainly Hispanics don't like the way they handle the, uh, the arguments. No. Uh, so it's a vote loser for them. Uh, as far as guns are concerned, uh, here's a couple of quick stats out of the uh, new April Harpers relative to that. Uh, portion of American gun deaths in 2011 that were suicides, two-thirds. Uh, factor by which the NRA outspent all gun control activist groups combined on lobbying in 2012, 10 Okay. Um, so that will change because there is certainly outrage... Uh, in response to Newton, and sure. uh, we've we've seen incidentally that uh, Mayor Bloomberg, who has resources unknown to man, <laughs> he's a billionaire, uh, and he's not afraid to spend money openly. It's interesting that the uh, Congresswoman that just replaced uh, J Jesse Jackson Jr. in Chicago won largely on that issue, because huh. Chicago has been beleaguered with gun violence. Indeed. Uh, much more so than either Los Angeles or New York City in the last year or two. 
so it, it's amazing that just winning a cloture vote is is considered a big progress in the gun control debate. What actually is cobbled together is unknown and unknowable at this point, but time will tell, but I wouldn't bet the farm that we're going to see uh, much gun control, but certainly oh, some. Uh, we're winding down here on Gray Matters. It's a little bit before 7, and you are listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. I always like to end on a little bit of a light note, especially on a serious day like this with the events in Boston. This is from California. <laughs> iPad stolen from home of Jobs, Steve Jobs, is found in clown's hands. A professional clown who played music on an iPad as he made balloon animals on Friday, this is dated the 18th of uh, August, so that he had no idea his friend had snatched the tablet from the home of Steve Jobs. Kenneth Kahn, who performs as Kenny the Clown, said he had received the iPad from a friend who owed him money for a vacation that they planned to take to Hawaii. He owed me $300 for the plane tickets, so he said that he had an Apple computer that he wasn't using anymore. I said, fine, not having a clue what the hell was going on. Mr. Khan, 47, who made unsuccessful bids to become mayor of Alameda and San Francisco, said he played the music on the iPad for a few days at a local art and wine fair before police officers came for it. Who knew? So, uh, a light note about uh, the device that apparently was stolen from Steve Jobs' home ends up in the hands of a professional clown. Well, put to good service, one hopes. Thanks to Andrew for engineering. Do stay tuned. Yazoo City Calling is coming up on this fine station and Groovasaurus coming up at 8. We are the Pussy Pirates. You're listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. You're listening to WCBN. Well, hey there. My name's Stockholm, and you are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, 88.3 on your radio dial. This is the Yazoo City Calling, and we're going to be playing a bunch of pre-war uh, blues, or at least acoustic blues, mostly pre-war, or World War II, not just pre-war. There's no such thing, I don't think. But anyways, we're going to start off with Burt Cobb and Charlie English with Transom Blues. If you want to call them, the number is 734-763. 3500. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah.